Hi, this is Tia Sarkar. I play Sabine Wren on Star Wars Rebels, and you're listening to Twin Suns Transmission. Of course, it ends where it becomes a desert planet with twin suns. Hey, my name is Taylor Gray, and I play Ezra Bridger in Star Wars Rebels. I hope you enjoy this week's episode of Twin Suns Transmission. Here's where the fun begins. Let's make this epic more interesting. You've taken your first step into a larger world. everyone and welcome back to another episode of Twin Suns Transmission. I'm your host Eric Pfeiffer joined as always by Jesse Sanfilippo. Hey guys. Welcome to episode 190 and we have a good one for you today. Of course we're going to continue our discussion on The Mandalorian. We have Chapter 12, The Siege, that we're going to be talking about today. But before we do that, Jesse, we do have a couple really cool things to talk about. Let's hit the news real quick, and then we'll talk about the Lego Star Wars The Holiday Special. A couple pieces of news, though, Jesse. We have uh, more of a, a personal piece of news that I would like to share. Um, do you remember my my episode on the collector's call where Lisa Welchel came and and uh, did a, a whole episode on my collection? Yes, I totally do. That was awesome. Yes, so they're actually re-airing that. So it's a rerun. It's the same episode as before, uh, but they are going to air it again. So if you missed it, you can tune into MeTV to watch the collector's call this upcoming Sunday. November 29th at 9 o'clock p.m. Central Time. That's awesome. I didn't miss it like live on TV the first time, and I had to watch via Zoom yeah. through your phone on your recording. So I am definitely going to set that recording this time and have that on my TV. That is really exciting. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited about it. And, you know, of course, with these things, you never know. It could be just one and done, but... I was a part of season two, and I'm not actually sure if they're done with season two, but if you guys did miss this, I really hope that you tune in for it this time. It was an absolute pleasure to have uh, Lisa Welchel at my house and to share my collection with everybody. And for those of you who don't know, Lisa Welchel was a contestant on Survivor, the reality show. She also played Blair on The Facts of Life, and it was just an honor to, uh, to be considered and to be featured on such a uh, an amazing show with an amazing crew and lisa was just absolutely amazing and i cannot wait to uh to have you guys see it if you haven't seen it yet it's awesome it's such a huge accomplishment as a collector to yeah. be featured in something like that on on tv is just really cool i'm happy for you uh, thank you thank you yeah they they filmed it on uh, August 7th or something like that of 2019. So it's been over a year now. So if they come back, there's going to be a lot more cool things. Hopefully, maybe <laughs> one day. Maybe one day. Maybe post-COVID. Yeah. In addition to that, there's something really cool for collectors out there. Natalie Portman is going to be doing a signing for the Star Wars Autograph Universe. Now, I haven't personally purchased anything from them in the past, but I have a lot of friends who are diehard followers of the Star Wars Autograph Universe. And this is the first time, to my knowledge, that Natalie Portman has ever done any sort of signings of anything Star Wars. Um, and I, I don't know why she's doing this. I don't, I don't know if it's just... Uh, you know, it's COVID and she's bored or, right. or what the deal is, but uh, they finally she's... were like, no excuses. It, yeah. You have nothing else to do. We know you have nothing else to do. Yeah. So you can buy your very own Natalie Portman autograph on Friday. I believe it's at, let me, let me just check the time here on this. Uh, there's no prices that have been announced yet, which is kind of, frightening yeah because i think it's going to be pretty pretty darn high right um, like if these are exclusive and she's never done this before like that's 
and who knows if she'll ever do it again. Yeah. I mean, she's <laughs> a Academy Award winning actress who's been in a ton of not only, you know, Star Wars and Thor and Black Swan and V for Vendetta, like all these yeah. amazing movies and, and things like that. Um, it's not going to be cheap. <laughs> so right. she's yes. high, high profile for sure. <laughs> yeah. So it says orders will be live on the Star Wars Autograph Universe.com website at 11 a.m. Eastern Time this Friday. So that's 10 a.m. Central Time and 8 a.m. Pacific Time. So be up and at them early if you want to if you want to get that even though she's expensive like we talked about she's very rare so i think this will probably sell out pretty quick that's wild you're doing it right uh, obviously i mean we'll see what the price tag is but if it's like a thousand dollars there's no way that's happening right so, gotta have limits yeah. <laughs> i'm getting married next year so <laughs> gotta have priorities yeah all right jesse let's go ahead and begin our discussion on the lego star wars holiday special and i hope that all of you had a fantastic life day wookie life day i know i did amanda made um she made bantha surprise we went to the grocery store and got a bunch of stuff for bantha surprise and and we watched the Lego Holiday Special on Disney Plus and, and watched part of the, the retro holiday special. So hopefully uh, you guys listened to our show and, and had some laughs with us talking talking some craziness about the, the original one. But Jesse, did you have a good life day? Did you do anything special? or? I had a good life day. We didn't do anything crazy, but kind of similar um, where I actually made Brandon, I didn't make him watch the whole original, uh, holiday special, but I couldn't like, I couldn't let it all stay in my head and I needed to show him what I called quote unquote, the best parts of the holiday special. Um, just the parts that I thought that were the funniest. And then I also showed him like 30 seconds. I was like, I just have to show you 30 seconds of the worst part. <laughs> and he was just like, he was just staring at the screen the whole time. He was like, you said that was the best part. And I was like, yeah, that was the best part. <laughs> and then we watched the Lego holiday special together and we both just laughed the entire time time and had such a great time watching that so i think that's a pretty good life day as far as quarantine goes oh yeah yeah i wasn't sure what to expect for the for the lego holiday special but i i really do feel like they did a great job with it i know i saw some people with mixed feelings about it online but i mean it's really to bring joy to people, right? It's to make you laugh, and and that's what Lego does really well. They they make their characters funny, and you know I just remember like Ray falling into the Dagobah swamp, and her hair had like fallen off and had you know swamp in it, and she just like dunked that out and put it back on her head. Um, <laughs> I was like, okay, wow, that's where we're going with this. But um, I really enjoyed that we got all eras of Star Wars. We saw some of the Mandalorian. We saw some of the prequels, the original trilogy, of course, the sequels as well. Um, I really enjoyed that they brought all aspects of Star Wars into one area. It was just so, it was so, so fun to watch. I Lego, Lego anything really gets me. I love playing all of the the Lego video games for like Lego Star Wars and Lego Harry Potter video games. It's just so silly to watch the characters, you know, die and just fall into a million little Lego pieces. So yeah. this just felt like it was just a full hour of of playing one of those games, but with an actual full storyline that we had never seen before. And it, it, I just, I really love that they really just let loose and told a really fun, crazy story um, that... You know, it's Lego, so nobody can really complain about all the weird little things they touched on and did, and it's just silly and fun, and I had a great time watching it. Yeah. I do enjoy, too, that we got to see Chewbacca's family again. That's something that I feel yeah. like if you've watched the original holiday special that you, you know, it was kind of a treat to see them again. One thing I did kind of want to talk a little bit about this, though, Jesse, is the whole reason for the story, the plot, right? So Ray is actually training Finn in the ways of the Force and feels like she doesn't do it adequately. 
And so she goes off to try and find different ways uh, that might help her be a good teacher. And um, what do you think about that? Like we get we get to see Ray sort of teaching Finn how to be a Jedi. I thought that was really cool because that's always been something that's just kind of hinted at and talked a little bit more about in the the novelization. Like even though even so, you know, barely in the novelization. So. It was cool to kind of get to see that manifest, even though it's, you know, Lego and technically non-canonical. Um, <laughs> I, I thought it was really fun to, to get to watch their dynamic and see Ray kind of struggle in, you know, the journey of now being the master. Um, yeah. And it's just kind of part of the circle of life of a Jedi. So it was cool to see her get to do that with Finn. Yeah. I agree, and and we'll see if if there more comes from that. You know, more comes from that down I the road. Hope, I do hope so because while it's Lego and while it is very nonsensical, non canonical, um, they kind of you know did it in almost almost such a way where you could kind of keep it in a little head canon in like the the way depth depth of your you know mind of kind of the way they're jumping between world between worlds. Um, it it wasn't totally unbelievable to keep it as a as a head canon as mm-hmm. I don't know if I'm explaining that right just something like a little side story that obviously isn't full on canon but they almost did it in such a way where it could have fit yeah there's parts that that just don't make sense but it could it could have happened they could have yep. done it the way they're just jumping in and out just barely being seen by everybody I agree. <laughs> I think it was cool. It was cool to see all the characters kind of go together, and I, I think my favorite parts were with Palpatine, Vader, and Kylo. I think those guys, just that dynamic was hilarious. Um, I know. <laughs> I don't know why. They kind of remind me of, like, the robot chicken, though, with the, the dynamic between Vader and Palpatine. It was it was pretty funny in that sense. It. It was. And, and then in, you know, the the Lego, I haven't seen all of the Lego Star Wars, like the, the little mini series television mm-hmm. show. I haven't seen very many of those, but Palpatine is in those. And I feel like it, it was the same. It sounded like the same voice actor to me. And Palpatine is kind of that just same silly kind of whiny character yeah. in that show, too. So it's just fun to see that kind of play out with everyone else. I just I love seeing him just kind of be like, oh, man, yeah. like, <laughs> Galaxy's best emperor? I'm the galaxy's <laughs> only emperor. <A> terrible yeah. <laughs> gift. <laughs> yeah. I think All also one of, of my favorite parts too is when they just like drop into the Mandalorian for like 0.5 seconds and mm-hmm. they all see the baby and they're like, oh my god, it's so cute. And then yeah. that's like the Mandalorian's <laughs> entire cameo. Yeah. I'm just being like, the baby is cute. Yeah. They did a great job with that. If you haven't seen it, I would check it out. It's pretty funny and good for some lighthearted laughs. So hopefully everybody had a great life day. Uh, and until next year, I mean, this could be a tradition, you know, just watch everything. It, and I do think, too, I mean, while the original holiday special, as everyone knows, is difficult to watch, um, people like myself who hadn't watched it until this year, I knew it was difficult to watch. It's just something that everyone always says about it. This Lego Star Wars special is truly something that I will watch every year around the holidays because it was just that that fun and that lighthearted and really just made me laugh the whole way through. It could be a holiday tradition for sure. All right, with that, let's go ahead and begin our discussion on Chapter 12 of The Mandalorian titled The Siege. And Jesse, this one was directed by Carl Weathers, who's a very well-known actor and also is Grief Karga in the show. And I have to say, I think that's pretty interesting to uh, to be a character in the show as well as direct the episode, kind of similar to what we saw at the end of Season 1 with Taika Waititi as IG-11, as well as the director of, I believe he was the director of Chapter 9. So um, I thought that was kind of interesting. But uh, before we get into talking about spoilers of the show, Jesse, what do you think of this episode? Uh, this episode had so, so much packed into it. A lot of mystery, a lot of kind of new bits of information that really feel like it's letting us know where we're moving forward 
um, what story the Mandalorian is truly setting out to tell. I feel like we really start um, not only in, you know, the last episode three felt that way, um, but this episode truly felt that way too. It's just, I felt like we got so much in such a short amount of time that just opened up so many more doors uh, to where this could go from here. Yeah, I agree. And in true Star Wars fashion, I think Dave Filoni took, uh, you know, definitely is taking page out of George Lucas's books here. But after every piece of Star Wars content that we get, while we get some questions answered, we also have so many more questions arise mm-hmm. after every episode. So while it's great to get more answers of what's Kira Dune doing, what's Grief Karga doing, what's going on on Navarro, what's going on with the baby, you know, we get a ton more questions at the end of the episode which of course we'll talk about that stuff coming up but as always we are going to be talking about spoilers if you have not seen the episode make sure to go do that now and come back and listen to us afterwards but jesse in this episode of course at the end of the last one we see the razor crest still that mon calamari did not do a great job of (laughs) fixing or repairing the razor crest so mando and the child have to go to navarro visit some old friends, and while the Razor Crest is being repaired, uh, he joins them on a job. And, of course, we get the return of Cara Dune, and with her entrance, she's literally just beating the crap out of a bunch of Aqualish. So um, what did you think about the return of Cara Dune in her sort of intro for Season 2? I was really excited to see her in, like, a place of leadership, um, within the community because I like where we found her, she's just kind of rough and tumbling, wrestling for money in a bar. Um, didn't seem to want to really get involved in anything was purposely trying not to get involved with things, uh, with the Mandalorian talking about how she's trying to lay low and things like that, not get involved. And now here she is, uh, the marshal or the sheriff of yeah. Navarro. Mm-hmm. So it's cool to see her just kind of cleaning up the town. Yeah, I agree. I was shocked when they said the marshal. I was like, we've already had one of those right. in this season. But um, <laughs> yeah, I thought that was really cool. She She's cleaned up the town, putting away some scum behind bars. Yep. So that's pretty cool. And then of course we Saving get... Saving ferrets. Yeah, that's a good word for it. I was like, what is that? Some kind of like possessed squirrel thing. or something? Yeah, but, a sentient ferret. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. We also get Grief Karga back in this one, and Grief is, it looks like he's aged a little bit. You know, he's got some 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 gray hairs on his beard and everything. Distinguished, of course. Uh, but he's working with the Mithral, the blue guy from the first episode of season one, which I have to say I was not expecting to see that character back in this season until the trailer. So it's interesting that we got him back. Um, and he's actually serving 350 years uh, under Grief Karga, and throughout this episode, he sort of you know reduces some time off of that sentence. But throughout this, we we get the Mando who is going to help his friends, and they find this Imperial, uh, what they think is an Imperial base, and um, they show us the map on this, Jesse. We can see all of Navarro except for that one little red spot where the Empire still has some forces now i i when i watched that i was like well this is a really good representation of where we are in the timeline where we are in this time period because this does play take place after return of the jedi and that being said you know the the empire is is just kind of scattered there's just remnants of forces throughout the galaxy so while while the big brood of it you know the and the the main bulk of the empire is has been destroyed. Um, Vader's gone. You know, Palpatine is is out of the picture right now, and <laughs> and um, we just got this small little area. I thought that was kind of a cool representation of Navarro, but that's also the way that the empire is in the galaxy. I feel like um, at this time, so that was pretty cool. Right. It almost has like this episode gave me like 
a almost like a sense of hopelessness for the galaxy for a little bit there because it's like they at the end of return of the jedi we just there's so much celebration like it's over the war is over um we did it we won and now we're just like snap back to reality like Mm -hmm. this is not done we have so many little skeleton crews if you will all over the galaxy that are not going they're not just abandoning post they're Keeping on, keeping on. Right. We'll talk a little bit more about the Empire as we get to uh, further in our discussion of this episode. But I want to talk about something that I thought was very interesting to see, um, and that's the educational system on Navarro. Mm-hmm. Now we've <laughs> seen some educational facilities. We've seen them. Uh, you know, we've seen, of course, the Jedi at the temple and and read about the way that they do their studies. We've seen on Mandalore in the Clone Wars. Uh, with Ahsoka kind of teaching, you know, the the cadets on Mandalore. Uh, we've seen the clones and the way that they they learn uh, with their accelerated growth uh, programs and things like that. And in this episode, I thought it was pretty interesting to see like an actual classroom with little kids, and they just honestly just plopped Baby Yoda down. They just yeah. plopped them down in a desk and expected him just like sit there <laughs> with this protocol droid as a teacher. <laughs> like it was very interesting right. to see. Not expecting that at all. If you put like the subtitles on, um, there's parts where you could barely hear the protocol droid kind of going Mm -hmm. on and the baby's like eyeing those macaroons. I keep calling him the baby. The child is eyeing those macaroons. Um, And she's like droning on about like orbital patterns and stuff. I'm like, these kids are like five. Yeah. We're talking about orbital patterns over here. (laughs) I thought that was kind of funny. But what's interesting about those orbital patterns is that a lot of them are actually, we see them throughout Star Wars, you know, the Kessel Run and the Hydean Way and the Maelstrom around Kessel and and all that stuff we've seen um, or at least heard about through other parts of Star Wars. So I love that they're kind of bringing in, again, that continuity. Got to learn young, I guess, when it comes to travel in the galaxy. (laughs) And those macaroons... (laughs) <laughs> Those space cookies, you can actually buy officially licensed oh. macaroons from the Mandalorian on William Sonoma right now. Oh my god. They're kind of expensive. They're like fifty bucks. Oh. You could make you you could make macaroons. I don't know fifty dollars. I don't know how many you get or or what, but yeah. If it was like a macaroon statue, I don't even know if I would pay. Like, you know, it's forever, you know? Like, I don't think I would buy a macaroon statue for $50 that I got to keep forever. Yeah, I don't I, I don't I don't know how many you get or anything. Macaroons are not that expensive, and I'll tell you, you can make like that color is not fantastical. Like you could I mean, you see those in like bakeries or at like Mariano's like all the time. Yeah. Like you just gotta add a little bit more blue food coloring than usual. Yeah. <laughs> and you do it. I never had a macaroon <laughs> until I went to uh Sarasota a few months ago. I never had one before that. But they're good. They're delicious. Yeah. You can't have too many though, because you'll throw up, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, the child really likes them too so <laughs> um but outside the school and i i did not notice this when i watched it but i watched it again to prepare for this episode uh as they're bringing the child into the classroom while they're outside the building you can see ig11 um and it's a uh, it's a i think it's a statue at first i thought it they were like hanging his parts and stuff but i think it's almost like a, a statue monument or something to his bravery. Um, but I'll send you the picture. I, I think I have it yes, still. please. That's so cool. I wonder, I wish that was like part of their, I'm like scrolling through all the concept art now. Um, I want like a, a concept art of that. That's really neat. That makes sense. He sacrificed himself basically for that entire town that yeah. they are able to thrive the way they are because of IG-11. Yep. That's really cute. So I just sent it to you. Let me know when you get it. But yeah, it, it almost looks like he's... It's it's like a monument. Oh, I see him. That is so cool. 
Yeah. Totally. 100% is exactly what that is. <laughs> like Love you that. saved the town, you know? Oh, that's yeah. awesome. Yeah. So I thought that was pretty cool. I'm also surprised how often Mando just leaves the child with other people unattended with the I... threats that, that are apparently after him. It's like, what are you doing? At least this time, <laughs> right? At least this time he was like, I don't think I should do this. And they were like, yeah. that's it's fine. fine. Yeah. <laughs> There's a droid here. Well, as the story goes on, they get to this base, and of course, they're fighting through here. And and to me, it had a very a New Hope vibe, very much episode four. Um, and I think that was something Carl Weathers probably it was probably a lot of his doing. Kind of wanted to make it seem that way, running through the halls, shooting stormtroopers, and there was lines like, "All right, Ben, load your weapons." There they are. Blast them, you know. Yes, that one I noticed right away because I know that's your favorite line. So yeah. I was like, there it is. <laughs> yep. And it's a little bit different. Like, it's it's basically the same thing. But, like, in episode four, it's like, it's them. Blast them. And this one, it's, there they are. Blast them. But it's, like, the same thing, you know. Right. Um, and tone. Yeah. Stormtroopers. <laughs> so I just, I love that, that they kind of do those throwbacks. And, and then, of course... Um, with the reactor that they kind of set to explode, um, you know, it, it reminded me of the tractor beam console in episode four where Obi-Wan has to go on there and push the little things, you know, and walk around the sides of the semicircle or whatever. So definitely reminded me of that as well. Yeah. I also got when we were on like later in the episode, we're on like the speeder bikes and stuff like. That was very Endor to me, like the the speeder bikes kind of splitting up, yeah. and then like I, the, it's, it's just they're doing such a good job of reconnecting us back to the root, the visual roots of how Star Wars started. Yeah, well, going back to those scout troopers, like you were just saying, I don't know what it is about this show, but like I really like the scout troopers. You know, I mean, I, I feel like they, in Return of the Jedi, they were cool, but like, we're getting more, we're getting more of them now, and I was watching this episode with Amanda this morning, like I said, again, to, to prepare, and I'll, I was telling her that, I'm like, I really like the Scout Troopers, and she's like, yeah, they're really cool, they're not like your everyday mall cops on Segways, they're like the, <laughs> the really cool ones, I'm like, yeah, I, I'm gonna say that, I'm gonna credit you for that in the show, because... That's so funny. I did feel like they were just kind of mall cops on segways in Return of the Jedi, but they... It's true. Yeah. We're getting, I think, so much more personality from the stormtroopers in this show. They're really getting to, you know, we're getting to see them have full-on conversations with each other, um, kind of in, in moments where they're letting their guards down, um, like we saw, you know, last season where they're discussing whether or not they're going to look at the child in the bag one more time and if it's worth getting shot by Gideon. Um, like we're just getting to see a lot of those moments from them and getting to, you know, watch biker scouts, not only just like go by and crash into a tree, but then they, you know, jump off and get on top of the moving vehicle and start throwing grenades around. Like they're, they're just being more focused on and almost developed, uh, more as, as characters and less as, um, just kind of like target practice <laughs> yeah. if that makes sense they're somewhat competent right they still don't have great aim <laughs> no but they <laughs> yeah i don't know they do cool well, things i'm getting to see them in action more yeah like the scout troopers jumping on their speeder bikes and flying off the cliff like that was awesome granted i think a couple of them crashed but yeah <laughs> <laughs> but still but... they did some cool stuff even in like the flight scenes too, like I feel like we're getting to see inside of the cockpit of like a Tie Fighter more often, and and when a stormtrooper dies, it doesn't just like fall. Now it like <laughs> like screams for a long time as it like flips <laughs> through the air. Like I don't know, they're just focusing on them. I think a lot more. Um, they are. They're getting the stormtroopers are getting more love, um, and I, I am enjoying kind of the extra bits we're getting. They're they're less. I think, too, the thing with the stormtroopers is the way they're designed is to allow them to be killed in a non-gruesome way with their whole faces and bodies covered. They're very dehumanized, um, especially in the originals, because it's all meant to be a family uh, thing that you can enjoy with your kids um, and everyone can enjoy it together and it not be too gory 
upsetting to a young yeah. kid to watch a bunch of deaths. Um, but I think now this show is is more geared, I'd say, a little bit more geared towards the adult crowd in a way. And they're still doing a really good job. It's a family show for sure. Um, but it's getting a, a little darker. Um, and I think that is kind of they're allowing themselves to humanize the stormtroopers a little more because we could take it. <laughs> yeah. I've noticed that too in even some of the animated series Clone Wars and stuff. A lot of times when we see when we see a lightsaber go through something, it's, it's usually a droid. You know, if the clones right. get shot, it's by it's by you know a droid or an explosion or something like that. But we don't see too many. I mean, we see it sometimes. Um, but like, do you remember the first time you saw Ventress kill um, Commander Colt? I think it was Commander. Where she literally like picks him up with the force, shoves her lightsaber into him, gives him a kiss, and then drops him on the floor. I was like, "Wow, I guess we're getting pretty dark with yeah. this." So, <laughs> yep, <laughs> yeah, certain characters they get to, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yep. I don't remember that specifically, but um, I can imagine it. Yeah. All right, well, let's talk a little bit about kind of the the meat and potatoes about this episode. Now, every episode, it seems like we get a little bit more of the greater story. And this is what I'm saying. Every time we get something answered, we get more questions. And so with this one, we get a little bit of... We get a little bit more information that expands on the story of why the Empire wanted the child, right? So in season one, we see Dr. Pershing. He he has the child. He's doing some experiments on him. And Mando goes in there and wrecks everybody and takes the child and goes off and the rest is history until now. So we get a little bit more information. We find out that this Imperial base is actually a laboratory where they're doing experiments and we get a like a hollow recording of dr pershing to moff gideon which the group thinks he's dead right mando thinks that gideon's dead that he crashed in that tie fighter of course we know he's alive this is the first that mando finds out about it but the information that we get in this hologram from dr pershing i feel like is very important so um the bodies of, I guess they have like experimented on bodies, and we see sort of the the vat of humanity, the the tank with the what looks like a person inside of it. Um, the bodies rejected the blood because they need a higher M count. Now I can only assume that that's a midichlorian count, yeah. um, and that they've exhausted their initial blood supply, the blood supply that they had taken from the child in season one. And that they require access to they require access to the donor, so they need they really need to get the child back. So they are, I'm sure, and Moff Gideon's going to be in charge of this, trying their hardest, even more so now that all of their options are exhausted, to get this child. Yep, I'm going to be pulling out all the stops because this was just this recording was just set three days ago, so they mm -hmm. just very very recently ran out of what they needed to to continue on these experiments right now at the end of the episode in the final scene we see moff gideon on a ship and he's in this room with a bunch of what what appear to be like super soldiers what do you think those are like is that are they trying to create like a force sensitive army or like a like a super soldier I... what are they doing I personally kind of think those are separate to what they're trying to create. Okay. Um, in in my opinion, because kind of what's going on in that lab looked and sounded very unfinished, very unsuccessful. And what Gideon's got going on over there looks like fully fledged and complete. And he's like, we'll be ready. We'll be ready for him. I almost think that that's like maybe like super suits, <laughs> like in a way. So that they're they, like, like droids or something? He maybe like either they're either they're either we're going back into to separatist territory. We're pulling out droids again, or they're like droid suits, you know, where you can like get in and control it mm -hmm. um, from sitting inside and just like kind of become a super droid trooper kind of thing. Um, they look now, crazy. I will I will say this. 
So I guess if they are separate, we need to, we need to treat them as such. So let's talk about those troopers first. In Legends, and I didn't realize this until I was watching it with my friend Dan, and uh, he had brought this up, and I, I think it could be a fair point now, granted, who, who knows, but in Legends there are these things called Dark Troopers, and there are different phases of Dark Troopers. You have Phase 1, Phase 2, and Phase 3. Now, in just if my memory serves me right, because they are in the Star Wars Miniatures game that I used to play all the time... I believe they were droids, um, but I don't know. Like like you said, these could be dark troopers that are are just that's the name of the trooper, and they just use suits. You know, purge troopers are different now than what they used to be. Purge troopers now are are in the Jedi Fallen Order game. Excuse me, I think they were. I think they're force sensitive, and they they fight. You know, Cal Kestis and stuff. Um, but that's not what a purge trooper used to be. They're very different. So. You know, w- with with the Disney buyout, I think they're they're borrowing things from Legends, but not necessarily using the exact same template. So maybe these are some sort of like dark trooper type character or something. I don't know. That'd be pretty cool though. That they're force sensitive. No, not necessarily force sensitive. I don't think the dark troopers were force sensitive. The the current canonic purge troopers are. I was just saying that oh, okay. as like an example because the the previous purge troopers weren't. So as far as these troopers, I think they're just probably some sort of elite soldier and I they might be like the new version of a dark trooper. Right. I almost feel like too in every kind of um I guess era of of Star Wars that we get, it's like every kind of moff or important imperial guy has his own set of specialized troopers um like krennic had the death troopers and Mm -hmm. maybe these are going to be just gideon's kind of his specialized little mini army yeah i think gideon (laughs) has a lot of power you know he's his own forces are scared of him he's got the dark saber it seems like he's got a lot of weight like he like he carries a lot of power and I'm excited to see where this goes because you know that that he's going to come across the child again and come across Mando again and maybe even have to use his dark saber in a lightsaber battle. You know, who knows? But I think I think where we see him now and just the way that they filmed it and the actor that they've chosen to play him, I think they really are trying to show us that this guy means serious business and he's going to be a recurring villain for a while. Yeah, I, I do think he is one of the most formidable, especially non-Force-sensitive um, villains. Um, one of, probably. He's like up there in the, in the top of formidable, non-Force-sensitive, Imperial or even otherwise, villains in Star Wars. Um, I, ha- I was talking to somebody at work, and he was like, whatever they're cloning in there, Gideon should just be cloning himself. Um, because we just need a million armies of, of Moff Gideon um, to just wreck everything because he's just so fierce and ruthless. Yeah. Well, let's talk more about the lab then. So if the the laboratory is completely unrelated to the troopers we see at the end of the show, what is the purpose of this lab? What are they trying to do? Are they trying to create inquisitors? I That's a, that's a good... Um, that's an idea. I haven't thought about that. I I wonder too, because we know from the sequel trilogy that cloning was, you know, Palpatine's kind of comeback here. Um, he was trying to clone himself. We know he was messing around with um, the creation of Snoke. We have no idea how that kind of went about. And I wonder if these are kind of just weird remnants of projects that Palpatine had started in regards to either cloning himself or cloning or creating I don't know if he was trying to create Snoke before well yeah I mean we do know that Palpatine already had a cloned body of himself before the second Death Star blew up so because it says in the novelization when he flew down the shaft he transferred his essence from his body to a clone body uh, before his 
actual body exploded. So he had to have a place for him to go. So I think as far as his own self, he probably was already mostly set there. But as far as Snoke, that's that's an option. Because I, I know, and, and this I found through scrolling the Twitter, um, and I looked back and I, as far as I can tell, it, it, it checks out. People were saying that Snoke's theme plays during this scene where they're looking at all the kind of bodies floating um, in that liquid. Interesting. Um, and I kind of looked, I listened to Snoke's theme because I don't, I, to be 100% honest, I'm not somebody that like knows every single theme of all the different right. characters and it, it pops right up in my head when I hear it. I know very few probably by heart when it comes to that. Um, so I had to listen to that and then I went back and listened to that part and I was like, oh, it is Snoke's theme. Um, at least it sounds like it, it's close enough to me to recognize it as that. Um, but I guess everyone will have to kind of listen for themselves to see if they think that that's true. That's just something I heard online and then went and listened back and I was like, oh yeah, that kind of checks out. It might be yeah. Snoke. And if you really look at the the thing in in the blue liquid, it does have like a crazy like head indentation deformity thing going on. No, kind this of like is, big head yeah. bar. I have to say... And granted, I don't go on Twitter all that much, but I have to say, I did not, I did not think about that. So it could be the beginnings of Snoke. That'd be pretty interesting. It could be, and this kind of whole thing too just reminds me so much of um, the Clone Wars episode where Palpatine is um, taking children um, mm -hmm. off the register list of young Jedi. Um, it's in season two. Episode three, Children of the Force, um, where he's doing all these experiments in a similarly shaped, I don't know if this is taking it too far, but even the facility and the location and the way the facility looks, looks very similar to this um, base on Navarro. It's a, it's a, it's this long, you know, linear, like, you know, base on Mustafar that's hanging over a cliff of lava. It's just has a lot of similar similarities. I know those like things don't really matter that much when you just isolate them, but maybe they do though. Just the, the way they look, and then the fact that it's you know they're using children of force sensitivity to do experiments. Mm -hmm. I just feel like they're doing something. They're continuing on some kind of instructions or continuing on instructions they had already been given pre-Palpatine, and that's just something we know for sure that Palpatine was doing back in the Clone Wars. Right. Interesting. Interesting, interesting. Well, it'll probably be a long time before we find out the answer to this, because that's how they do things with the Mandalorian. We'll have to wait, right? Give us Boba Fett and then make us no. wait three months or whatever. Or maybe and it'll be I'll more than that. I know. I it probably will be. It, it's probably going to be like a whole season thing because we have so much to explore this season with getting the child to the Jedi. Um, who knows if we're going to be? Are we sieging Mandalore? Are we? Are we getting you know the child to Ahsoka Tano, or are we creating Snoke? Like, there's just so many directions that this could go and could last us for for seasons, even if they don't answer all these questions this season. Yeah. But but going back to a little bit, there was one other little thing that somebody noticed on Twitter and um that I that I just saw when I was scrolling through today um before we started recording. Somebody noticed that the scientists, the patch they have on their shoulder, the symbol on that patch um was the same symbol as the clones, the yep. young clones that we were talking about earlier from Camino. Did we say that already? Am I crazy? Not in this show, but I think oh. when in, when we did our discussion for season one, I think we talked about that. Oh, we did. I see. I forget these things. There's all these little, these little connections. There's so many things in this show. Right. It's like it's endless. I love it. Yeah. Well, it's it's definitely easy for easy to forget. So. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I think that's that's right. So, it, you know, with the cloning, the cloning technology, maybe it's all it's all yes. part of the same thing. So we 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 shall see. 
Now, at the end of the episode, Jesse, we, we realize that there is a traitor on Navarro, and they are uh, they a- applied, attached a a tracking beacon aboard the Razor Crest. And yeah, we... this must be Grief Karga's best guy. I'll say my best <laughs> guy on it. Yeah. Well, that guy, I think he's a Mimbanian from Mimban, which is the planet, the mud planet we see in Solo, because I think there's a, another character of the same species in the Squadrons game named Grace, um, and I'm pretty sure she's Mimbanian, so I thought that that was kind of cool, bringing in, bringing in that species again uh, into current canon. But yeah, that was that was bad. So we know exactly where the Mandalorian is is going to be headed now that the Razor Crest is back back to being just like new. So Haslab is still still a go for the Haslab Razor Crest. Yeah, um, still, still gonna match up. <laughs> yeah. So we know where the Mando wants to go. So perhaps this next episode we will get the Ahsoka Tano, but perhaps. They're being tracked by the Empire, and so that's why there's going to be there's going to be problems. Um, or maybe we'll wait. Maybe we won't see Ahsoka next time. I don't know. But we know that the Empire is going to be tracking the Razor Crest. Right. I feel like that. I feel like we're going to get bumps in the road. Like I don't think we just have a straight path to Ahsoka Tano. I don't think that she's in a. I'm so confused as to, not confused, but I'm still wondering about how her location is so just fixed and known, um, even by someone like Bo-Katan, that she would just at any given time just know where Ahsoka Tano would be during this era. Um, so I just I just don't think it's going to be an easy route to her. It, it would make sense that we have a few more, uh, another run-in with um, Gideon or even with the Rebellion because they're asking a lot of questions Yep. In this episode, I like kind of seeing them kind of turn into space cops, um, yeah. detectives. And also, we might get some like stuff in the middle here about because Cara Dune kind of seems like she's she turned down, you know, she's I'm not a joiner. But as he like leaves that little, you know, that symbol of the rebellion down and she's looking at the symbol and she's looking at the trooper and she kind of like throws her last little piece of food down on the ground like dang it you got me that's kind of what i (laughs) that's how i interpreted that silent moment of it just feels like she might be kind of she's inching her way back into leadership in general it might lead her back into the service of the rebellion well think about the destruction of alderaan and how that would look to people who aren't a part of the empire it's right. a peaceful planet. They have no weapons. These are lines directly from Leia. Granted, she's trying to save her planet from being destroyed, but we know a lot about Alderaan from Bail Organa and his point of view and, and his what his wife stood for and what he stood for, what Leia stood for. They are peaceful people, and here we have the Empire destroying the entire planet with the push of a button. Imagine what kind of signal that sends to... Everybody, you know, everybody else in the galaxy. Now, we have Cara Dune, who was a member of the Rebellion, and now I think she's kind of going off and doing things on her own and, and, you know, acting as the marshal of this town. But I think she can't leave the fight. Anytime, even in season one, where she's like, we've got some, or I think Manda was like, we, we're going up against the Empire or something like that. And she's like, I'm in. So if the yeah. New Republic is going to try and take down the Empire... While she didn't necessarily accept any invitations here, I think she's not going to stop fighting. Yeah. I'd like to see her take up, you know, take up her place again. Yeah. Everybody's talking about the, the new order. New order of the rebellion, the new order of the empire. Mm-hmm. It's a really cool transition period that we're getting. Yeah. I'm excited about it. Absolutely. Well, there's only one way to find out what happens next, and that is to continue to watch the show with the new episode this upcoming Friday, Black Friday. It's going to be pretty crazy out there. So I think that'll pretty much do it, Jesse, for this episode, episode 190. Or if people want to find us on social media, where can they do that? You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube, all under the same handle at Twin Suns Outpost. 
All right, and if you're looking for places to listen to our show, you can find us on our website, which is www.twinsonsoutpost.com. Click on the podcast tab on the left-hand side. You'll find all of our episodes there. You can also find us on the Star Wars podcast app through the Google Play Store and on iTunes. And if you enjoyed this episode and you think we're pretty wizard, go ahead and give us a good review wherever you listen to podcasts. All right, we have a lot of great stuff coming up for you here at Twin Suns Outpost. Of course, every Thursday you can expect a team reaction for the most recent episode of The Mandalorian. Uh, This upcoming Thursday we'll be talking about this episode, The Siege. And then, of course, we have a ton of stuff coming up in December. I actually just finished creating the, the calendar for content for December. We have a lot of great stuff coming up so hopefully you guys are all excited about that and then if you guys have any thoughts on this episode the siege and you'd like to share them with us please find us on any of our social media handles write us an email at twinsonsoutpost at gmail.com we'd love to read those and interact with you guys about this episode we're just very passionate about star wars and of course the mandalorian itself so uh, we'd love to kind of chat with you about all things star wars we hope everybody has a very safe and healthy Thanksgiving, a safe Black Friday. Just be, of course, you know, aware of, of the fact that we are in a global pandemic. So just be safe out there. And we'll see you guys all next time for episode 191. Thanks so much. We'll see you next time. And as always, may the force be with you. Hi, this is Vanessa Marshall, Harrison Dula from Star Wars Rebels. You've been listening to Twin Suns Transmission, an exciting show where sand gets everywhere. Thank you for listening to this presentation of the Twin Suns Podcast Network. May the Force be with you, always. Airmaster Tatooine. It's controlled by the hut. Rendezvous point on Halloween. This time you are not a Chinese king.